Hello, I'd like to welcome everyone to the uh, We Go Again podcast. It's Christopher Smith sitting here at Heathrow this week. And just down the uh, M4 here in Berkshire, it's me, James Bartley. Uh, getting ready to go back to work after two weeks off. Alright, so I don't get any <laughs> holidays until November. Oh, no, I, I, it was my first holiday till March, since March, so I felt like I earned it. Well, I think let's start with, it's a big story, and we know it's a big story, but I think it's the mockery, quote Joey Barton, the Mickey Mouse mockery that is um, League One at the moment. Hmm. Yes. And both Berry and Bolton, uh, as we record this, but Berry are on their last legs. Uh, because tomorrow is Friday the 23rd when they had to hand over their bond um, and they've not played a game all season Bolton called theirs off via social media much to the dismay of the Football League and um, the opponents Doncaster Rovers uh, which draw the wrath of Danny uh, Danny Cowley and Lincoln who've got to play who have to play Doncaster next and say but they've had a nice free week at the last moment and so I think it's I think in the horriblest terms tomorrow could put, could put things to bed and allow the Bury fans to rebuild their club yeah uh, I mean we just had a quick chat off air about this didn't we um, you know you said it maybe be a be a good thing um obviously it, it's it's not a good thing to see a club die but there's there's no way there's no way around this um i mean they've they've had a stay of execution all season now as you say everyone else around them has now played three or four league games it, it's, it's gone too far now um they, they're already obviously with their minus 12 uh points deduction so they're effectively barring a miracle they're going to go back down into league two and if if somehow they do stave this off tomorrow or today or yesterday or whenever you're listening to this um if somehow they have managed to get a stay of execution again and carry on they're going to go down into league two you would have thought and in their current state you would probably say they would get the double drop and end up in the in the national league so it it possibly is the best way to do it, it rather than let them start uh, playing their games and of course they've got two weeks worth of games to catch up on now and when are they going to do that considering they you know when when you get into winter they, you get games postponed as well then um so they're always going to be playing catch-up um it's it's it's, it's never going to be a smooth ride now this season uh, and i think well i i personally as we record this on the thursday night the day before um they are due to be wound up they, they've had no guarantees from um, Steve Dale um, at, the F, at the EFL or the FA about the, the the finances that he's got the funding to get them through the season. So he, he's he's turned. I think he turned down an offer as well from uh, what was his name? The um, he used to be at Port Vale, uh, Norman Smurthwaite, I think it was. Um, he apparently made an offer for the club, and Steve Dale turned it down. Um, <laughs> really? Um, so. Yeah, he he's provided no evidence that he's got the finance to get them through the season in the in the last couple of weeks that um, they've had a stay of execution. So there's for me, there's only one outcome tomorrow. And while it is sad, I do tend to agree with you, Kristen, that it might be it might be the best thing in the long run that they can cut their losses, um, form the Phoenix Club. I mean how many clubs have we have we seen do it um i mean a couple of clubs just above them in the table in uh, accrington stanley and afc wimbledon or albeit through different circumstances but you know clubs do come back and but yes they're going to have to start down in um northern premier or maybe even a bit lower than that but at least there would be a club for them to go and watch and they would probably rise back through the divisions and once they get back into league two and league one They'll be stronger for it. Um, I just think if they do fight their way out of this, it, it's, it's not the end of the road, is it? You know, they, they're still going to be struggling for God knows how long until this happens again. So, yeah, a clean break. It gets it gets Steve Dale out of the club. It gets everybody out of the club that they don't want, and they can just start afresh. Um, called 
Bury AFC or AFC Bury or something like that, and and they can go again from uh, from next season, and they've got the whole of the rest of this season to um, to get everything in place, and hopefully with the um, with Gig Lane still intact. Yeah, well, well, that's the thing is that so Bury's problems have stemmed from lack of proof of funding and mm-hmm. are currently unable to pay players and staff. Um, Boltons have gone on from the complex legal battle involving Ken Anderson, Lawrence Pacini and Football Ventures. It's just crazy. Um, but, yeah, at, at Bury, it's not just to, just to correct something you said. They're not, they don't have a winding up order. Sorry, they no, have no. they have an expulsion That's from expulsion. Yeah. yeah yeah from the EFL, it, which which uh, tantamount to the same thing you would if effectively isn't it because I suppose if they get expelled then they, you know they can't survive can they? Yeah, so basically what what the EFL have asked uh, from uh, I'm just reading off the Sky Sports, so what EFL of said through their um, chief exec Debbie Jevons um, Mr Dale has written to them he's saying he's got X amount of money or Y is going to lend him the money and what they've said is that they need proof that on um, documentation that shows that as much as you'd like to emails don't pay wages so that's the that's the long and the short of it and it's well, this is the thing Steve Dale he, he... He comes across, you know, he tries to come across saying he's got the best interest of the club at heart. But yet, they were on TalkSport again in a few days ago, I think, with one of the players. And Steve Dale was saying, but I, I paid you half of your money last week or something. And it, it's like, I'm sorry, you won't congratulate him because you paid somebody half of what you legally owe them that you haven't paid them for five months. Are you kidding me? <laughs> you won't congratulate him for that? Um, you know, and it is, I think we've said it before. I mean, we're in, we're in League One here. We're not in the Premier League. If these players aren't getting paid, they're losing their houses. They're lose, you know, they're losing everything. They've all got mortgages. Yes, I think a few of them, or possibly all of them, have got loans from the PFA. I heard an interview with Harry Bunn. Um, I can't remember if he's Bolton or Bury now, but he's involved in this. Um, I think he's Bury. Um, uh, uh, used to play for Huddersfield, actually, um, saying that he got a loan from the PFA, um, but his wife is expecting a child in uh, in the new year, and you know, you don't need this stress. Um, and it's credit to these players that they haven't walked away. But I suppose if they do walk away, does that take them down the list of creditors? Or does, I don't know how that would work in terms of money owed. Um, I don't know if if they feel like if they stay, they they're more uh, the higher up the list. I don't know how that works. Um, but yeah, for Steve Dale to be going on the radio saying, "But I paid you half of your money." It's so, well done, mate. Cheers. Well done for that. Um, what about all the backroom staff and everybody else who don't earn as much as League One footballers who don't earn a lot themselves? You know, the, the amount of stress that this has caused for for dozens and dozens of families and, and their extended families, because they'll be going to siblings and aunts and uncles and parents and grandparents begging for, for a, a few quid to keep a roof over their head. It's a disgraceful position that this club has been put in. Granted, it's not all Steve Dale's fault. It's obviously it's come from previous regimes as well. But he doesn't come out of this well at all either. Yeah, I don't think anybody's coming out um, of of anything to do with either of these um, the situations. And it's sad that we're having to speak about it again. Uh, and that's the thing because we were used to doing this when we ran the long league podcast it was mm. forever doing this but now we're looking at two old league clubs who are doing this yeah they've got what nearly nine on nine 290 years of history between them. i think they're both well over 100 and i think bury 130 odd years old and i think bolton might even be older than that so cause bolton are a founder member aren't they i think yeah. so, or, or very close to it if not so when you've got that that much history that's just going to be wiped from wiped from existence it's it's just shocking it's completely and it's almost as shocking as the var decision that we haven't mentioned yet um, <laughs> but it's almost as shocking as the var decision that went against man city um as much as it benefited liverpool and probably benefits the league um 
it went against Man City yeah. in the last minute against Spurs, and they've just got to probably not, but they probably can't believe that in two matches against Spurs, the has ruled out their goals. Yeah, and of, of course we all know that one back in the Champions League um, in oh, February was it now? It was it, obviously it cost them their place in the semi-finals. They could easily then argue that they would have got past Ajax and you know in the final against Liverpool. Who knows what would happen? So there is that decision back then against uh, was I can't remember who it was against now. It was a marginal offside back then, wasn't it? Um, it was uh, yeah, Raheem was scored. I think but yeah, it, it was wasn't. It was, Aguero, it was yeah. Aguero, I think, that was like a shoelace offside, which you know my feelings on that. Um, but And that, that decision potentially cost uh, Man City a historic quadruple. Um, as for this one on... Uh, oh, when was it, Sunday? I can't remember now. It was a brilliant game, 2-2 draw. Um, but yeah, it was in, the, in stoppage time. Um, it was a corner that came in, kind of squirmed its way through to Gabriel Jesus, who showed fantastic composure got himself a little bit of space and thumped the ball into the bottom corner. Really, really brilliant goal. And then they're all off celebrating. Uh, Pep Guardiola's hugging Sergio Aguero, who he hooked for Gabriel Jesus. They'd had a bit of an argument. Then when Gabriel Jesus scores, Aguero comes down and basically, you know, uh, forgives and forgets that he's been taken off and, and they're having a nice hug. And then it was Michael Oliver, I think, the referee. You suddenly see him with his finger in his ear and you're thinking, Hello, what's going on here then? So the replays show the ball coming through and there's Imeric Laporte challenging for it and with the defender and the ball kind of squirms through between the two bodies and it brushes Laporte's arm on the way through. But his arm is at his side. It's kind of bent into his body a little bit as he's leaning forward. Um, it's not in an unnatural position. It's not making his body bigger. Uh, and it just brushes his arm and then comes to Jesus. And that is what they've disallowed it for. And it is... VAR uh, being its most picky because there is no way that that goal should have been disallowed. As you say, it, it, for the neutral who just wants to watch a good title race, it's fantastic because I'm sure Liverpool will be on the receiving end of one of these decisions. I'm sure Tottenham will be at some point. Um, but it, going back to making a mockery of things, this to me makes a mockery of the handball rule. He's gone, you know, he's gone into head it. Um, ahead of challenge they both stooped down to do it they've both missed the ball and it's brushed his arm as it's gone between the two bodies how how is that a handball it's it just it it can't be given as a handball his, his arm's not up protecting his face it's not across his chest it's not out to the side it's folded into his body as he's trying to uh you know uh strong arm his opponent they, they're fighting for territory and it it brushes his arm it's 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 never a penalty uh, it's never a handball in a million um, years. The only thing, just to play a little bit of devil's advocate, after finally watching the incident from a few angles, it actually deflects the ball into the... F it probably would have not reached yeah. Jesus had yeah. it not hit his hand. Yeah, that's, fair. that's a fair comment. And that's so he's actually deflected the flight of the ball. Now... Whether or not it's deliberate or not, to me, when I was growing up, there was no such thing as deliberate handball. It was called handball. Yeah. You, yeah. you kicked the ball against somebody's hand, even if it was against the face, it was handball. And that's the way we always played it on the grass. And I don't know when this deliberate handball thing well, came in. <laughs> well, we've had the... It, we've, so many... They, they just love to justify somebody's job, don't they? They tweak the, the rules. It's You've had hand to ball and ball to hand. You have... We've had daylight on the offside, haven't we, before now? And it, you can your arm can be offside because it's not a legal part of the body to score with. They like making little tweaks to the to the rules the whole time, and it doesn't do them any favors. Um, I suppose going by by your comment there, I suppose that that's probably the why they've given the handball. Um, let's let's put it on the shoe on the other foot. Let's put it this way: if it hit the Spurs. The guy, because they both had their arms against each other. They were, they yeah. were jostling for the ball. If it had hit his hand... Would he have given a penalty? And they gave a penalty, we still would be having the same conversation. Because <laughs> there would be exactly. just a set of Spurs fans yeah, who couldn't believe yeah. what's just happened. But I, th I think what's happened here... And I'd just love to be able to share my screen with you to show you this exact point, what it does. Because it hits his arm and deflects the ball... 
quite significantly. I don't know who number 28 is. I can't read his thing for Spurs. He would have reached the ball before Gabriel Jesus does. Great finish, by the way. Oh, good. Amazing finish, yes. wasn't it? I mean, I feel sorry for him. Um, yeah, I, I suppose um, it, it's a it's a bit like the uh, the yellow white one in the um, in the bronze medal match in the women's world cup because yeah she was she was jostling for the ball it it bounced up and off her hand although that's a bit different because it bounced up off another part of her body onto her hand which meant that that shouldn't have been a handball because in the rules it says that's not a handball um so i suppose i think the rule is if a if a if a goal is a direct result of a handball then it's a handball which obviously from you know from from your analysis there that's that's what's happened because it's it's come to jesus no no other players touched it between the handball and jesus putting it in the net so i suppose the argument there then is well a goal it was a direct result so the handball is the right decision um and it we we are we argue about the offside don't we as it should it be your big toe being offside but at the end of the day if they want it to be uh, a black and white you're either offside or you're not then it's got to be the same, hasn't it? It's either, it's either hit your hand or it hasn't. Um, yeah. It, as long as it hasn't, as long as you haven't controlled it with your foot or your chest, miscontrolled it, and it's just bounced off your arm, um, and then play goes on, then that's fine. Um, but if the ball directly hits your hand, then I suppose it has to be a handball. I, I, I just, regardless of how how soft you think it is, I, I think that's, I think that has to be the way it has to be. Yeah, it's it it's a it's a really it's a really bad situation, and it it's just giving more talking points. At, at the end of the day, that's that's all it's done. It was never going to not it was never going to solve anything because you've then got interpretation of that. Because I was listening to um, I caught the tail end uh, of the Liverpool Chelsea game, and I actually heard on there the TV replay that they were showing on screen at that point wasn't even available to the VAR guys. And how does that work? They're not even getting the... every camera angle. I didn't, I didn't see this game, the, the European Super Cup. So, yeah. so the, the replays that were being shown on Sky or whoever had the game, BT, I guess, uh, yeah. that, that they, they didn't have that at VAR, only BT had that. Well, I don't know whether oh. only, B- only, oh, only went, BT had it, but according to, according to the TV broadcast, this angle was not seen by VAR, which clearly shows Adrian doesn't make no contact whatsoever. <laughs> but, but it was just it was just a crazy thing. I think Glenn Hoddle said it best. It's just that how can you have it? In, in rugby, which has had VAR for a long time, they sit in the TV broadcast van. Which causes its own problems because mm. in France the directors suddenly lose clips very quickly, amazingly, especially if it goes against the French <laughs> professional thing. Um, and so I don't understand why they're not able to see, not able to see every angle because surely you've got twenty cameras at, at every Premier League game because you've got all these things. The bookies know how far that one player has run the whole game. Yeah. And you can and I remember when Sky he said you could follow a player and you could fo- literally follow that one player the whole match if you wanted. And you're telling me they're not going to make any of this available to the VAR guys? Well, I'm, I, I mean, I'm, I had no idea about that because, as I said, I didn't I didn't watch the game because uh, I was I was away. Um, that's that's staggering, really. That there's a, there's a camera in there that isn't being accessed by VAR. Um, yeah, that's. That's a bizarre one. They should have access to every camera. I, I'm absolutely amazed that they didn't. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's laughable, really, isn't it? That makes a mockery, which um, seems to be the theme of the uh, theme of a podcast tonight. <laughs> well, it is. Speaking of a mockery, one that's close to your closer to your heart. Hmm. The 140 million was it euros or pounds? I can't remember. Um, or was it 120 million? Coutinho. He's not yes. had the best of times over at um, over there at Barcelona, uh, and he's replacing probably Frank Ribery or could be Aaron Robin. I don't know because neither of them are around at the moment at Bayern. But he's gone across to Bayern Munich. 
Yeah, it's it's an interesting one. This um, Ribery, incidentally, has um, just joined Fiorentina in Serie A, which was a bit of a surprising one. I was expecting him to go to China, like a lot of people were, but that's a fantastic signing for them because he is still a quality, quality player. Um, but yeah, uh, I mean, I I thought he was the wrong signing at the time that Barcelona signed him. Um, they wanted him. I think they signed him in the January, and then Andres Iniesta left in the summer, um, and it was widely reported they demarked him as Iniesta's replacement, which if that's the case, then they really need to sack. Well, I think they have now. Um, they really needed to sack their scouts, everybody involved in recruitment at the club, because anybody who thinks that Coutinho is Iniesta's replacement is ridiculously wrong. Um, I, I would have rather they went for Christian Eriksen. Um, I think he would have slotted him perfectly into midfield at Barcelona, but that's by the by Coutinho is a, phenomenal phenomenal player we you know you see it when he plays for brazil he is an he is an amazingly talented player the problem is the barcelona don't play a formation that suits him at the minute um he's he, he is he's a tricky player to fit in because he's not a central midfielder he's not a forward he's somewhere in between and it, it's quite difficult i think to fit him into a formation, especially when Ernesto Valverde at Barcelona quite often plays a 4-4-2, depending on the opponent. And then there's no point Coutinho even being in the squad. Um, so, it, it, as you say, it's, it's been tough. And we, we've got to understand, you know, that, I mean, I, I've never I've never slated him. I've never said he needs to go. He's rubbish. He's all this, he's all that. He's not. He's a world-class player. He's a phenomenal talent got to remember these guys are human beings as we said before you know there's the pressure of the fact that he's barcelona fc barcelona one of the biggest clubs in the world he's their record signing he's the most expensive player in their history um you've then got the obviously the uh, the changing culture he's moving from the uk if he'd gone straight from inter milan to barcelona instead of going via liverpool then he might have settled in a bit better because the culture might have been a little bit easier to take, but he's used to living in England now. So he's used to the, that that thing. Even the slightest things like little like kickoffs, he, he's not going to be used to kicking off at 10 o'clock at night like he does in like it, they do regularly in Spain. Uh, you know, he's used to Saturday at 3 o'clock or no later than 8 o'clock at night. Um, so that can play havoc with everything, with your travel, with your family life, with your diet, with your sleep, everything. It's why Gareth Bale isn't welcomed at... Real Madrid that much because he stuck to his British lifestyle while he's been over there. Um, you know, all these things have huge impact. I'm not sure if his family have moved over with him or if they've stayed in England. I'm not hundred percent sure on that one, but even if they have moved and they're not settling, that's going to cause problems. If his kids aren't happy, his wife's not happy, all these things, it doesn't matter how much money you make. It doesn't matter what club you're at, what city you're in. I mean, from the outside looking in, I would, give anything to even have 30 seconds on that new camp pitch in a La Liga game it you know that would be just unbelievable um but we've got to remember these guys if, if I was suddenly if a if a rail company in in Spain suddenly wanted to buy me then <laughs> do you know what I mean it's it's if you if you think about it in your in terms of your own life the upheaval of of everything it on the outside it might look like a, a dream move but dig deep, dig down a little bit, and, you know, you can, it can unravel pretty quickly. Um, so I think the best thing for him was to get a little loan move because I don't think Valverde will be there past this season, and then they might get a manager in that can find out how to play Coutinho better, and he can come back over, and he can then be the player that we all know he is. Um, now, he has gone to buy Munich for a season loan. They do have the option to buy him for £120 million, which they ain't going to exercise because that's nearly three times their oh no double their record now because they bought Lucas Hernandez from Atletico for 60 million so it would be double their their uh, record signing they ain't going to have that sort of money they're going to do the exact same thing that they did with James Rodriguez and they're just going to send him back and say thanks that was a great player he did well for us for a for a season you can have him back now um so there's no danger that he's ever going to leave permanently to Germany um but he might get over there it's it'll be um a little bit easier for him because while Bayern Munich obviously is Bayern Munich and they are a goldfish ball in Germany it's it's nothing like it is in Barcelona in terms of um like in this country the 
because we do have a big fascination with the with La Liga more than the Bundesliga. So he'll he'll get out of the limelight a little bit in that respect. He'll get games. Um, he'll he'll probably be be loved by the fans immediately. You know, he's he's only going to have to um, do a couple of brilliant passes, uh, make score a score a worldie, which he is well capable of, and and they will love him. Um, he you know he's probably their biggest ever signing, even though he is alone. So. But for me, I hope it works out well for him. I hope that he gets 40 games this season. I hope that he um, that he does well for them and he comes back to Barcelona as the player we all know he can be. Um, because he, there's no way they're buying him. But even if they don't, if he has a really good season, then someone else might buy him. So, um, you know, it's from on a human level, I desperately want him to succeed because he has had a rotten year and a half. Yeah. No, it's not not good uh, at all. And just so yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing him in a Bayern shirt. I, yeah. It did rejuvenate James Rodriguez, so I it will did say a bit. Yeah, and then he fell out of favour as well. But then you've got Robin and Ribery, who at the time, you know, were undroppable if they were fit because they're legends at the club. Um, but now they're not there, um, so there is room there. They've they're, they're a little bit light out wide in an attack, so he is going to get games. Um, so it'll it'll work out far better for him, I think. It was interesting, from what I understood and what I've read. There's a couple of little snippets on it. Mm. One one was that originally Barcelona wanted to give him a two year deal there. Yeah. But Bayern didn't want to do that because that was actually two years two year deal with Hamas Rodriguez. Yes. Uh, and the other one is that Liverpool are going to get a bucket a bucket full of cash. Yeah, because <laughs> they you you were saying off off. Fair way, the, the the most of that loan fee, however much it is, um, I'd heard you'd heard a bit more than that, hadn't you? But they, they most of that's going to Liverpool to to help pay off the transfer fee, I believe. Um, I think, I think from Bayern Munich's point of view, James Rodriguez's second season there wasn't that great, so I think they're probably thinking actually we don't want to get burnt again because again, um, Bayern Munich being a volatile club, it is. There's a chance that Niko Kovac won't be the manager by the end of this season or at the start of next season. Um, so you don't want a player that isn't yours being forced on another manager. Um, yes. So one-year deal works for everyone because, like I say, I don't think Valverde will be Barcelona manager at the end of this season, uh, certainly going into next season. And if you get a manager over who understands how to play Coutinho, you want him at Barcelona. You desperately want him there. Um, so a one-year deal is, is perfect. Um, Bayern Munich, I loved it. They announced it on the Friday that they were playing their first league game of the season. And they said, you know, he's joining on loan. There'll be no disclosure of any of the details. Barcelona announced it, said, yep, this is how much they've paid. This is how long it's for. This is the optional fee. <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, you didn't get the memo about keeping this uh, under wraps. Did you? <laughs> it's it's a German thing though. It's yeah. a German thing. They don't, they don't like propelling that. It's, no, it's like, seen it's, as excess. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it, it, it's, as, as I said earlier, it, it's their biggest ever signing in terms of the name. It, it's, you know, it's such a spectacular signing for them um, that, you know, he's going to sell shirts just like that. He's, even though he's only going to be there for a year, the fans are going to love him straight away because he's he's just a spectacular signing. So just a, a couple of little quick things now. Go for it. Ah. I thought we have gone dead for a second. No, no, um, no, is, is is there a crisis at Celtic after being dumped out for the second year running in the qualifying stages for the Champions League and scraping by lowly Dunf- no offence to Dunfermline, scraping by Dunfermline uh, in the uh, Scottish Cup or well, Scottish League Cup? Um, yeah, I I, I think it's kind of to be expected a little bit i mean i mean with all respect to neil lennon he's he's not brendan rogers um i know as you say last year they had a bit of an embarrassment in europe as well um but they they eventually romped to the league uh after after about january february time i think kilmarnock and rangers were in touch weren't they? and then celtic just put on the afterburners and got away yeah um I think the worry will be that that might not happen this season. Um, 
they're desperate for the 10 in a row. I think if they win it this time, it's nine, I think. So it, it'll equal Rangers. Um, so it'll, which is ironic actually, because those nine in a row, what, what put Rangers in the third division. So, um, uh, you know, all the way back then. Um, so I, I, crisis is probably too strong a word, but if they don't get off to, you know, if they don't put together six, seven, eight, nine good results, then the, well, might not even last that long, but the pressure will certainly bound for sure. Yeah. So I just find it interesting because I think that it is a crisis to me. Because it is for it is for you are yeah. the dominant force yeah. in your country. Yeah, absolutely. by no every anybody's yardstick, you're but just head and shoulders above everybody. But just going off on a little tangent and sticking with the uh, making a mockery um, theme um, title for the podcast, by the way, I think. Um, why? Why? I just don't understand it. Do the champions of a league not automatically qualify for the group stage of the Champions League? It's just, it's I don't, I, it's just stupid. Um, and I'm not talking just because they're a British team. I'm talking about all the other leagues that don't qualify automatically. You should all get that your, your champion should be into the group stage. It doesn't matter how, what league it is or, or how low down the rankings that is or you know they should get into the group stage it's ridiculous um i just i uh, yeah i mean the fourth place team in england the fourth place team in spain go straight through to the group stage surely that would be better off going to celtic going to um the champions of belgium or the champions of uh, the netherlands do do they go straight through or do they no i think they have to qualify as well don't they i'm i'm not sure and and russia and things like that the only way these teams are going to get better and these leagues are going to get better is if these teams get straight through and don't have to play these stupid qualifying rounds. It just, I, it, it, it needs rejigging. When they bring in this um, Cup Winners Cup 2 or whatever they want to bring in, then they need, they need to sort that out because there'll be enough European competitions when that third one comes back in that they can do it, that every champion goes into the Champions League and then the bigger leagues can have three or four um, but the fourth place one goes back into the final qualifying round or something like that. They, you've, it's just ridiculous that if you win your league, you then have to play three, four qualifying rounds to get into it. It's just stupid. Yeah, it, it is. It, it is. Um, I'm not not disputing that. Um, it does make a mockery of calling it a Champions League when you have yeah. obviously Liverpool and Spurs fighting for that title to be champions of europe and neither of them were champions of their own country well it it makes a mockery when the losers of the final qualifying round and the uh, third place in the champions league groups drop into the europa league as well yeah i mean what is this rewarding failure all about (laughs) why well i i it's all about money and tv rights and the countries that have the most people in the Champions League are the ones who pay the most money for the TV of, rights. Of course. That's really all it comes down to. Speaking of paying the most money for things and something <laughs> that's quite close to your heart. Okay. Um, yes. What was the outcome of the proceedings against your beloved Huddersfield? who had till 5pm on Wednesday to respond to a charge of misconduct for their Paddy Power pre-season strip? I don't know. Um, I'm not sure if if it's come out yet, to be honest. Um, I mean, it, it, was, it, was a, it was a stupid stunt at the behest of a betting company. They got the ridicule that they deserved for it. Um, but I don't really... Sorry, I think I've just realised you've been granted an extension. Ah, OK, because I, as I say, I didn't know. So they've been, why have they been granted an extension? I'm just looking on the uh, website now and I can't see anything about it at all. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was, it, was, it was ill-advised just for a few extra shekels that we didn't spend on the team. Um, and, um, yeah, I don't know. I, it just... I don't know. Surely there's more important things for the FA to worry about than us playing a April Fool's prank in August. I mean, come on, it was, it's, it's ridiculous, isn't it? Um, well, they only want VAR to make a mockery of the game, not the clubs. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I don't like Paddy Power, but I, you've got to, you've got to admire the the campaign because there are there are a lot of clubs now involved. Um, you've got 
uh, Newport County, Motherwell, and there's there's quite a few. I think it's about six now that are doing it. And the idea is, and we've got we've come out of it now with one of the best shirts we've ever had. It's a beautiful shirt, um, and it's you know it, it's it's a really admirable campaign that that Paddy Power are um, you know paying not to be on the shirt, which I quite like. Um, I don't like the way they trivialise gambling and make it seem all happy and la di da when you know it has serious repercussions, like any other potentially addictive vice. Um, but I do like it, and I, I quite like the slogan of um, "Don't you wish we weren't on your shirt?" So I, you know, occasionally their sense of humour does hit the right mark with me personally. More often than not, though, they're wide of the mark. Um, but yeah um i'll keep an eye on it and see what happens when they do but i just it was it was a pre-season friendly you know there was it's just just let it go for god's sake i mean really <laughs> it's just pathetic well you it's pathetic and it's not pathetic because you could say it was pathetic of the club to accept it was say, yeah, just for, just for the few bits of dirty money but, but um, then they but then they sold those those shirts on ebay for charity um and raised tens of thousands of pounds. I think they raised nearly 30 grand. So, you know, that's probably going to have to go and pay the fine now. But <laughs> I just, you know, when you've, you've got, I mean, to bring it back to the start, you know, it makes a mockery. You've got, you've got Bury and Bolton who are on the very verge and you're going after someone for wearing a stupid joke shirt. I mean, Jesus, come on, let's, let's get things, let's get some priority going here. Um, well, that's th- I think that's actually the problem because it's the FA who are going after Huddersfield and it's EFL, it's EFL who yeah. are going after the, it's the, it's the, the strange way our, our international, our football setup too uh, many, is, is there. Too, yeah. Too many chiefs. Yes. Speaking of too many chiefs, somebody who's a chief for a long time, uh, Ashley Cole has announced his retirement. Yeah. So 20 um, years in the game of the top fly. That's, that's not bad. It's not bad little, uh, little thing that for him. And I, think you could safely say england's greatest ever left back i think um and and yet roundly hated by so many fans because of that one little line in his book when he said he almost crashed his car because chelsea was only offering him 55 grand a week (laughs) you know it's um yeah um first left back i think to get to 100 caps um you know yeah absolute legend of the game uh, spent time abroad as well, which you know, especially at his age when he went to Roma and um, and and various uh, other ports of call since he's been there. Obviously, last season was at Derby with Frank Lampard, and has now retired. And I'm sure we'll either see him as a pundit. It strikes me that he'd be a very very good pundit. Um, ideally, though, I, I think he'd make a very good coach. So I, I'd I'd like him to go down that road. Um, but maybe I don't know if he's done his badges yet. If he, if that's even his ambition. But if he if he gets into working for Five Live or Sky or BT, then I think he would be an asset because he's he's the sort of person that'd be brave enough to um, he'd have the courage of his convictions. He he wouldn't say something controversial to be controversial. No, he'd he says it, it because he means it's, it. Yeah, he'd say it because it's his opinion. And you know, love or hate people like Robbie Savage and and people like that they speak their mind and they're not afraid of it. And they're not afraid of the backlash that's going to come on social media. And, you know, you've got to applaud that because footballers now are just media trained. The personality is just media trained out of them. And, you know, when someone comes along, that's a little bit different and isn't afraid to speak their mind, then you, you know, you've got to give them the spotlight. And cause yeah, I think he'd be a fabulous pundit and a fabulous coach, whichever road he goes down. No, I, I think he'll be he'll be missed. Like you say, he's he was such a gifted footballer, and then just had everybody just seemed to dislike him so much. Yeah, uh, and it it was it was because it was because of that comment in his book about the salary that, that you know he was he wasn't enough, and it, that's just that's just what you know got him his nicknames and why people hated him. But you know he was a phenomenal player, goal scoring left back. Um, I care there'd be an argument that Stuart Pearce would probably still be ahead of him in terms of England, but he is right up there as as an England legend, for sure. You don't get to 100 caps by being crap, do you? No. No, that's that's the thing. And we've also got the the sad things tonight of um, 
Paul Pogba uh, being abused on Twitter. Uh, he's not the first one because uh, Abram was abused last week as well, probably by the same people, um, for missing penalties. And it's racial abuse, not just the friendly so-called banter uh, that people seem to dish out. Um, this was personal racist abuse against him and his teammates quite rightly have obviously jumped to his defence and but I've uh, read today on Sky Sports that he's actually going to be potentially called to Parliament to give some evidence uh, in the social media you know, so basically an inquiry into social media about the, the internet harm white paper that's coming up okay um, again he's, he's one that won't be afraid to do things like that because he, he is you know, he's a confident young man, he's outspoken, um, and he, on a subject like this, you absolutely have to be, it's disgraceful. Um, Harry Maguire had the best idea um, by saying that every account needs to be verified with a, with a driver's licence, passport, that sort of thing, and I mean, there probably are still ways around that for, for people that are, that are savvy enough to do it, but I think as a, as a, a first idea, I think that's spot on, I think, because if you've got nothing to hide... You've got nothing to hide, have you? You're not going but to be scared if, of it. But what if the Twitter accounts who are whistleblowers who do have stuff to hide, who could be personally attacked, well, physically yeah. attacked for some of the things they're saying, and they they have to keep the. This is I'm just playing devil's advocate once again. It's the, it's, it's an impossible situation. There needs to be the anonymity there. Yeah, true. but you can't pick and choose it. Yes. It, it, it's a, it, I mean, it's it's not the it's not the stone-clad solution, but it is for maybe for personal accounts. Obviously, for I don't know. I mean, yeah, it, it's it's a it's a thought on the right track. Um, it's probably not actionable. There'll be there'll be like I said, there'll be um, there'll just be don't go on Twitter. Laws or issues around it, but surely uh, it's the fact that um, ah, oh, uh, it was Phil Neville was saying that they complain to these social medias and all they get back is an email saying we'll look into it and they never do nothing happens and if if the it, it then becomes an issue that right well the fbi need to get involved they need to haul the so the head office mark zuckerberg whoever it is that owns twitter i have no idea of snapchat or anything of these instagram they they well it'll be um zuckerberg for instagram as well won't it but it, yeah. they they need to be hauled over the calls they need they need to um be seen to be doing something it can't be difficult these guys trolling out this abuse are not very smart i doubt they're masking their ip very well they they could easily be tracked down if anyone could be asked to do it so they, there needs to be stronger um response from the powers that be at these social networks that's that's the way it's got to go. I mean, I like Harry Maguire's thinking, but as you say, you know, you rightly point out that it's it, it's it's a problematic solution. Um, but you know, at least someone's thinking of something like that, and you know, it seems to be far more than than the uh, the the heads of these companies uh, are doing because all they seem to care about is the uh, the amount of active users and the amount of adverts they can sell to these guys. That's that's the whole um that's the whole thing with it uh, so all all they care about the investment they'll deal with the fallout of this it will, won't be mainstream news in a couple of weeks they know it'll blow over and it gets more people going onto twitter and signing up and seeing what's going on and spending their time posting 140 characters don't forget that the usa is run by twitter Donald yeah. Trump announces yeah. all of his things on Twitter rather than through the official channels. So no one's going to, they're not, they're not bothered. They've got the world's most powerful man on, on their platform announcing world changing ideas. Some of them good, some of them utterly ridiculous, but he announces them on Twitter first. So they don't care about some English, well, uh, some English Parliament, uh, British Parliament, complaining and saying you must do this, you must do the other, because it's like the upcoming, you must use a credit card and passport to verify your identity before you can access a pornographic um, material in, in the UK. Well, put a VPN on, it's done. Everybody's everybody gets around it, mm. and. 
it just makes it uh, a mockery. And I feel sorry for Paul Pogba. Um, I wouldn't... I, I can't understand the mentality of anybody who abuses anybody at all, let alone for racial uh, racial things. And so it's just something where if he's going to do it, does he just ignore? Does he just block the people? Does he leave the platform? Which I no. know a lot, of, a lot of people leave platforms like that. If they, if they say, well, okay, well, I won't be there. My millions of followers won't won't see this. They'll go off to another social media because we don't need social media. We don't need to post all this stuff all the time. He could have quite easily have his own official website and send people there. Yeah, true, true. Um, yeah, I think he definitely can't ignore them. Um, he can he can certainly block them, but I think before he does that, he maybe has to retweet them so that they they're out there in the you know he doesn't have to make a comment. He could just retweet it and then block them, um, and then it's out in you know it's out to his millions of followers. And um, you know if he if he just tags Twitter's account in it or you know Twitter support and any other official you know and even like the Manchester Police or whatever he can you know he could tweet them in it and. And then that's that's you know, and then block them, and that's that's all he has to worry about. And um, yeah, I'd, but he, the one thing he shouldn't do is is ignore it to the point where he doesn't do something. He should de- ignore it in his head and don't let it get to him. But he should definitely um, bring it out into the limelight for sure. Yeah, definitely. He he needs to raise raise up everything that's going on. Uh, speaking of raising yourself up. How's about a 50-year-old coming on in the Glasgow Cup? Oh, tell me more. Oh, did you did not hear about this? So, no. the manager of Clyde, um, Danny Lennon, is still registered as a player at the grand old age of 50, and due to an injury crisis at the club, Ray uh, named himself on the bench, and I'm presuming the Glasgow Cup is very similar to like the County Cups uh, that we have in England. And they were playing Celtic Colts, so the under-23s from Celtic, basically. Uh, Clyde, he brought himself on in the 76th minute uh, to help see out to help see out a 3-1 victory for Clyde. And I think it's, a, it's an amusing story. He retired from playing 11 years ago, so he was quite old when he retired from playing. Yeah. Um, but he first... So Clyde at bottom of the league, Scottish League won after three games. But they won three one on the night. Oh, well, you gotta gotta love someone who's uh, who's toast. I'd love to know to think that I could do anything other than walking football when I'm fifty. Uh, so, yeah, you gotta gotta give credit there. That's that's um, quite some achievement. But then we we've got there's a there's a guy playing in Japan. I think who's um, he's he's not far off. I think King King Kazoo is um, his nickname is. He's he's playing at a ripe old age as well. I can't remember exactly how old he is though, but yeah, you've got to love it when uh, when the uh, when the oldest step out onto the pitch and do a job, and when they're not a goalkeeper. Should I just caveat that anyone can be in goal <laughs> in goal? But uh, well, yeah. I can I can I can tell you yes, anybody can be in goal because <laughs> in oh April crap, you were a goalkeeper, weren't you? Well, in in <laughs> April this year, um. Isaac Hayek set the world record for being the oldest playing member of a football team at 73. Wow. So he came on, played in gold, and he will be, uh, and he did a full 90 minutes. So, yes. Talking of your um, your striker, uh, Kazuo Mura, he, actually, he has actually signed a new deal. Yeah. He's 51, so he's 51 he's playing. Later. He's he's playing still. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's in the I think it's in the Japanese. I think it's in the J2 league. I think it's in their second tier. But he's, yeah, he's still scoring goals for them as well. Yeah. So yeah. he's the world's oldest professional player. So that's the thing. Who regularly plays? It's it's crazy. Speaking of old things, Fort William and Ben Nevis. That's old. So Fort William. Well, played for Lostport, um, but uh, they are. Who's giving them a two o'clock kickoff on Saturday? 
go all the way to Fraserburgh. That's uh, seems a bit um, seems a bit strange. But uh, yeah, Fort William are still hanging in there, and the Fort William target of 3,000 has been is now 176% uh, on their Just Giving page. <laughs> uh, they've raised 5,285 pounds from 258 people. Wow, that is that is decent. I will admit that I did uh, slip them a tenner, although uh, in the sake of anonymity, I didn't actually put my thing on, so I can't win a shirt. <laughs> I'd rather buy a shirt and give them the money that way. Well, that's the thing. It would be it would be far better uh, to do that, and I'm not going to be able to go and see them, because I was hoping to go and see them this weekend, but they're away in Fraserburgh. And I'm only going to Dundee, and I'm not going all, all the way up. Uh, to, uh, to there. But James, it's been fun talking to you. Rob has been uh, unfortunately called away tonight, uh, which is why it's just been yourself and me. Uh, where can we find you out there on the internet? Uh, yeah, been uh, been a laugh uh, after after having last week off. Uh, really enjoyed it. So yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at GamerJamesFM uh, for everything I'm doing there. Um, I would just uh, like to say a quick uh, condolences to the family of Junior Agogo. Uh, former striker who died uh, today um, or yesterday um, at the age of 40, just a couple of weeks after his birthday. Played for a lot of clubs, most notably for Bristol Rovers and Nottingham Forest. Uh, represented Garner as well. Um, so yeah, he died sadly at the age of 40. Um, so yeah, it was today, wasn't it? Uh, so, yeah, rest, rest in peace, uh, Junior Agogo. Um, and yeah, we go again next week. We do go again next week. You can follow the uh, show uh, at wegoagainpodcast.com. Uh, you can go across Facebook, We Go Again Podcast uh, on there. But what have you been doing? I thank you for listening. <laughs>